Morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, April the 5th. Looks like another positive session overnight. Marcus, what happened? Yeah, not a bad session. And Wall Street up 104. And we're really having quite a run. S&P futures this morning were up 50. They were up about half that much. Resources just backing off, despite the oil price up 4%. Gold and major resources down a little bit. The iron ore price had a huge rally yesterday, up 6%, and up another 1% today. And that resources sector is in the strategy piece today. The P on resources stocks are dropping despite the share prices rising because earnings are rising just as fast if not faster so nothing looking expensive there but obviously when the iron ore price falls over it doesn't matter what the PE is the share prices will fall over as well but for the moment doing fabulously the big excitement overnight obviously was in tech stocks in the US as Elon Musk buys 9.2% of Twitter and the market takes that as an excuse just to go risk on and risk on more Facebook up 4% Netflix up 4.8% tech sector flying along, NASDAQ up 1.9%. We are running into April, obviously, as you'll see in the strategy section today. April is a generally good month in the US and for markets generally. And so is the second quarter, to tell you the truth. We've got a seasonal chart of the S&P 500 in the strategy piece today. And you'll see the market levels out in July to October. But for that now, happens. it rallies hard. And Marcus, that flat bit across is it June to September also coincides with summertime in the northern hemisphere so everyone's forgetting about the market going to the beach of course sell in July and go away right other things reasons for going risk on the Russian risk appears to be dissipating day by day our hot stocks which got absolutely bashed on the Russian invasion of Ukraine are all coming back ripping back would be more the point have a look in Henry's take for that piece on lithium his battery ETF what's he calling it? it's the oh, battery battery six pack his batteries his battery six pack started with sixty thousand dollars is now worth about a hundred and forty thousand uh, dollars you might mention that in I a will. minute yeah and so hot stocks coming back lithium in particular we got the RBA today some suggestions they might remove the word patient from their cut and paste of the last statement. FOMC meeting isn't for 29 days, but they've got meet, uh, Fed minutes on Thursday, which might provide us a bit of an insight. The bond markets have gone a bit quiet. The 10-year bond yields just topped out a little bit. So although we are inflation and interest rate paranoid, the paranoia seems to be dissipating for the moment, allowing the market to rally. And we've got the results bank season a month away now. Usually you buy a month ahead of results. Well, this is when you should be buying banks traditionally ahead of results and that's about it from me thank you marcus i'd love to be in the room while they do that copy and paste at the rba and just go through every word and go oh we'll change that one and we'll remove that one and yeah good to go now i reckon what happens is uh, one of the minions at the rba just sends an email to the uh, to philip lowe saying shall i just copy and paste and he'll go no just change that word and that will be it so that's enough that's a month's work isn't it yeah that's a month's work yeah Mind you, they don't get paid a lot. <laughs> On a per word basis. It's not bad. Basis, yeah. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, Tom. What have you got for us today? Marcus already touched on the good day we're having. Obviously, 
technology and energy names pushing higher. We do have the RBA at 2.30. As Marcus said, patient could be removed from the statement. And if that happens, there is some talk that markets will start to price in a few consecutive hikes over the next couple of meetings. Allchem has an upgrade or upgraded resource estimates for its Argentinian operations and up a little bit early. Navigator Global Investments has upgraded its earnings guidance and that is doing well in early trade. ASIC has sued Macquarie for failing to properly monitor withdrawals by financial advisors. And there's some speculation Suncorp is back looking at Zurich Insurance again. And one last piece of speculation coming from DeGray Mining and they're seen as a potential acquisition target. There is some talk heating up after Gold Road lobbed a takeover for DGO yesterday. And no big stocks trading ex-dividend. That's about it, Ben. Very nice. Thank you, Tom. Layden, anything interesting from the brokers? Thanks, Ben. There's a fair few downgrades and upgrades this morning to go through. Got City downgraded A2 Milk to a sell. And that's based on rising COVID cases in China and just other COVID-related pressures. The broker reduces the net profit forecast by 5% through to 2024. The target price falls 32% from $7.02 down to $4.80. That target's gone from a 36% upside to a 7% downside. I've got Morgan's has upgraded AGL Energy to an ad expecting wholesale market conditions for electricity and gas to result in strong earnings for AGL in coming years. And the target price is increased to 22% to $8.83, suggesting a 10% upside. Morgan's also downgraded Pendle Group to a hold on the back of that merger offer that was for $6.23 a share. However, they did not change their target price and the target price is $5.65. Macquarie has upgraded Gold Road Resources to outperform. The takeover offer for DGO Gold is valued at $299 million. Macquarie has valued DGO at $359 million, so has lifted its target price just under 6%. And that's now 11% above the current share price. And the last one, Credit Suisse has upgraded Eluca Resources to neutral following the approval of the rare earth refinery and lifted its target price 44.5% to $13. But the consensus on that one is a bit lower with the average target price about 8% below the current share price. Great. Thank you. And AGL, worth having a look at AGL. AGL has been one of those perennial dog stocks and it is now 17% off the bottom. And it's the sort of stock that gets away from you. You look back and go, why didn't we spot the bottom? We're only 17% off the bottom, which may sound like a big bounce, but it really is off a low base. I haven't looked at AGL's numbers, but it's one of those stocks whenever you buy it, you look back a month later and go, why did I get sucked into that again? Anyway, there has been a technical bottom on AGL. Very good. Thank you, guys. Uh, Henry is busy in the car at the moment on his way to visit Archer Minerals, which is AXE. I think that was his one stock pick from that competition. It's forever stock. Archer Archer Materials, I think. Archer Materials. So he's off to visit them today, which will be exciting. So keep an eye out for a review of everything he gets to see under the hood tomorrow. Today, he is writing about lithium and tech. As Marcus touched on, he is comparing his battery six-pack to the ACDTC ETF, which is the same theme, but a much broader ETF. You have to see how the uh, performance compares a little bit. He's also having a look at DGO and DEG and his portfolio is close to all-time highs. So a little shout out for that as well. And Chris is also off preparing for TV. His chart of the day today 
is Grange Resources, GRR. So make sure you have a look at that. And Marcus, what do you got for us in strategy and ideas? Well, strategy, strategy I haven't finished writing strategy yet. We've got a couple more points to put in. But on the ideas, the thing that's captured my attention recently has been a bounce in the China 50 index in the US. So there's a China 50, which is the biggest mainland China stocks listed in the US and in China. There's a Hong Kong listed index, but there's also an S&P listed index. And this index has fallen in a period of time since last year, since February last year. The S&P 500 is up 17%. We've been in a bull market, significant bull market. And this index of top Chinese stocks has gone down 68%. So Chinese stocks, listed Chinese stocks have been absolutely decimated in the last year. And that goes from Alibaba to Beidou to JD.com. And a lot of people will hold those, I think, directly, if not through an ETF, if not through a stock like MFG. If you look at the correlation of MFG with this China 50 index, although they don't hold a lot of Chinese stocks, they do hold some. And I think people view it as a bit of a proxy for MFG when the Chinese market does well or badly. Anyway, it is just in a sentiment hole. The reason, of course, is that the SEC in the US have started to publish companies that are not complying with audit rules. Ever since Enron in the US, you have to have your accounts, if you're listed in the US, you have to have your accounts audited by a registered accounting firm uh, that's approved by the SEC. And of course, there are something like 250 Chinese companies who claim that they are not allowed to show their accounts because of state laws in China, which stop them from revealing to foreign entities what their accounts are. So they're listed in the US with no oversight at all on on audits. And there was a Chinese company, uh, Trump was onto this. There was a Chinese company called, I think, Luckin Coffee, which turned out to have fabricated its 2019 revenues and it was listed in the US. So they chucked that off. But the SEC has sort of put their foot down and started to say these companies, if they go three years without being audited by a registered or approved SEC auditor, that they, if they go three years, so it could take some years, then they will be delisted. So they've started to publish names of companies that could be delisted. And one of the first ones up was Beidou. And that's huge. So this whole index has had another sentiment drop between February and March. This China 50 index dropped 38%. Then the Chinese regulators said that they support listings in foreign countries, in the US basically, and that they would remove a rule which stopped non-Chinese entities auditing accounts so that some, some of the companies could show their accounts to potentially SEC approved auditors and they get themselves off the list. But it was the SEC publishing names that caused this absolute drop into a sentiment hole. Now, in the last, this is only since April the 2nd, the Chinese seem to have softened or shown willingness to allow their companies to stay listed and comply with US regulators and the whole sector started to come back. So the question is, is this the low? Because the stock markets and making money out of the stock market is about identifying sentiment highs and lows. And is this a sentiment low in Chinese stocks? If so, you could be buying the individual stocks. Uh, you can do that these days on a, a Comsec account. I've got a, an international account on my NAB trade account. So you could buy these individual stocks or you could buy Chinese exposed ETFs or managed funds. Or of course, you could buy something like uh, Magellan, which if you look at the correlation is absolutely followed this China sentiment uh, as well. And maybe that'll come back again. It's one of those stocks we'll go, we'll go in a month's time. Why on earth did we buy that? But it's an interesting idea in the idea section today. 
today that maybe that's the bottom for Chinese stocks. I haven't added MFG yet. Maybe I should. No, shakes of heads. But uh, you can see maybe you can buy anything in that uh, section. So maybe we do buy some Alibaba and there are technical buy signals on these stocks, but only in the very short term. Just on timing, MFG, if you are interested, they should have a thumb update in the middle of the month, which as of the last update, there showed a, a significant amount of outflows. So you might want to wait till that has come out before yeah, jumping and, in. And uh, you popped up that uh, holdings, major holdings for MFG and what the holding sides have done. They're down about 30. They have sold about 30% of almost all their holdings. They've obviously got massive outflows at the moment. Anyway, there we go. That was uh, idea of the day is have we hit the bottom on Chinese exposed uh, stocks? Uh, in which case ETFs or MFG or... Uh, and I also saw perpetual bidding for Pendle. Pendle, of course, uh, run a terribly performing uh, global fund. I haven't looked, had time to look at their holdings, but are they exposed to China? I don't know. But maybe this is the timing where some of the big fund managers are going, right, we're in a sentiment hole for global funds. Maybe this is the time to start making our moves and perpetual moved on Pendle. I, saw, I was reading about that this morning and I saw that perpetual had no exposure to Pendle before they've made this move on them which is a little bit creep yeah, up with your normally exposure normally they have a, you know a, a few percent exposure a few percent Interest. holding onto yeah. it and then they're you know growing that to take over but they've obviously not liked it and then seen an opportunity which might be kind of in line with what you're talking about there Marcus so. and, and they'd be talking big cyclical pivot point would be their strategy meeting would be going we're somewhere near the bottom on global equities uh, look at MFG you know who can we who can we buy or how do we expand or how do we take advantage of that maybe buying Pendle anyway lots of good stuff off there. Thank you, Marcus. All right, we'll finish off with the question of the day. And our question today is, what is the greatest or the biggest achievement of your career so far? Tom, you can kick us off. Well, I think most of you probably can guess what that is for me. And I was on, made my debut on TV on Ausbiz on Friday, which was fantastic. It was the highlight of my career so far. But if I'm crossing into the career personal, crossing over that river, I've got to say putting a lot of, uh, well, telling friends about Afterpay quite early on a couple of years ago made me feel very intelligent to a lot of my friends. So they think I'm, I'm quite a good stock picker. So there are two things there. Very good, Tom. I, I had a feeling that might be it after you suggested this is the question of the day. Yes. <laughs> debut came on Friday. Very good. Layden? Very short career. Very short career for me. So I think I'd have to go back a little bit and probably my bachelor's degree at uni is the biggest achievement that I've made so far and hopefully soon to be my master's degree. You made a really good pot of coffee though the other week. I thought that was quite, quite good. Been on Thanks TV so. once and now I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus? Well, uh, on the afterpay thing, I attended a, I was asked to do a talk at a St. Leonard's Father's, so my daughter went to St. Leonard's, and it was a father's breakfast, and there were probably a hundred dads, and at the end of my ever so entertaining and thrillingly intelligent speech, one of them stood up and said, okay, if you're so bloody good, give us a stock tip, and I gave them afterpay, it was about a dollar ten, and it went to $160, and I can walk around anywhere in Bayside, in and people still come up and go the messiah he's the messiah no, he's the messiah no my the highlight or what i would say the most notable if i was to think back the most notable thing was i have run marcus today for 23 years and to get up in the morning and write every morning isn't easy and there are people who said to me uh, when i was doing it out of a broking firm uh, it's it's tall poppy syndrome they even cut down the short poppies in broking it's that sort of ego fuel environment people would say to me oh is that 
Marcus today, that's just cut and paste. I could do that. And yeah, okay, maybe you could do that. But I can guarantee some of those people that think that would spend have to spend a month to produce our newsletter for one day. But then they have to get up and do it again. And I have pushed that through times when I wasn't earning much money out of the newsletter, times when Emma had had enough. I remember her quote was just that. I have had it with Marcus today. And I've pushed this business through moments like that to where we are today. And that would be my greatest moment is the long-term investment in Marcus today, plugging away every day and eventually the results come. We've got another decade and more of plugging away every day and great things will happen. But uh, whereas people like Rene Rifkin have gone to from zero, they, he started the year after me and he went from zero to 28,000 subscribers earning $14 million a year for a few years. And I'm still on the creeping slowly up. <laughs> it's Not quite, quite amazing. 14 million. But it's long-term investment versus um, uh, short-term thrills. And the consistency uh, as well, just keep putting one foot in front of the other every day. You've got to wake up in the morning and keep making those, keep filling that screen. I think if there was uh, my finest moment is the fact that I'm still doing it and I still love it. And I know people like Henry still loves that. And whilst there are people like us around, the newsletter will continue to grow and thrive uh, without doing anything dramatic. Anyway, there you go. My most, uh, what was it, moment um, was continuing despite even pressure from my own family to give it away. And uh, here we are today. Very admirable. Ben, what was yours? I would say mine is probably fairly recent in the work that we've done on the SMA, which Marcus has written about uh, over the last six to 12 months. Uh, we, myself and Chris did a big uh, host of work there and we've got some good results now. Six month outperformance on the growth, 12 month outperformance on the income against their respective accumulation benchmarks, which has obviously been a battle for a long time. So that's a pretty good achievement from our end. No, that's a fantastic achievement because we, or when I was running it pretty much on my own, I really was under pressure from underperformance. I hated it when I was doing some dramatic things right, like calling the pandemic, buying afterpay, those things consistently underperforming in between those moments of genius. And I couldn't work that out. So you guys have now sussed it. And I think the game with funds management is it has to be long term. You really do have to have a horizon out there somewhere, not a horizon of the next three months, which is how I was operating. It was how I was pressuring myself. And it was how my I wouldn't sleep at night when I wasn't performing in a day or a month. Uh, and we've really superseded that, which is what investors should have. They should not have a volatile daily time with a fund manager pressured, mentally pressured. They should have a consistent long-term performance. And that's what you are now, or we are now achieving. And it has been a fantastic piece of work, Ben. Thank you, everyone. A lot of good stuff there. We'll see you tomorrow. See you guys.